The desire of Titus Women is to invite women around the world to know Jesus as their Savior, Center, and Source. May God guide and encourage you through this message by Beth Coppage. Oh, what a blessing to be here tonight at this point. I feel like it's Christmas in my soul. <laughs> I like to put red bows on everybody's head. I just feel so excited. So tonight I would like to just share a little bit, and we're going to be looking at for such a time as this. And if you will open your scriptures, I would like to start and read a path that I'm going to be working out tonight uh, for such a time as this, looking at the person of Esther and Mordecai, especially Esther. And what what is, who is the woman that God can use? So we're going to start in chapter one, I'll read selected verses. Now came to pass in the days of Ahasuerus, this was the Ahasuerus who reigned over 127 provinces from India to Ethiopia. In those days when he was king, sat on the throne of his kingdom, which was in Shushan, the citadel, that in the third year of his reign he made a feast for all his officials and his servants, the powers of Persia and Media, the nobles, the princes, the provinces being before him. When it, where he showed the riches of the splendors of his glorious kingdom and the splendors of his excellent majesty. And the feast went on for 180 days. That was a pretty long feast, was it not? 180 days. And then it describes in the next few verses the opulence of that feast. He must have brought in all the different ones from the different provinces, but it was to show them how important he was, how rich he was, and it was, a, he was, so you get a picture of King Ahasuerus, who's also called Xerxes. But then he did another feast, and that feast was just a week long, and it was for the people that lived in, in, in Susa, or Shushan, where the Winter Palace was. And verse 10, on the seventh day, when the heart of the king was married with wine, he commanded his seven eunuchs who served in the presence of the king to bring Queen Vashti before the king, wearing a royal crown in order to show up for beauty to the officials, for she was beautiful to behold. But King Vashti refused to come. And at the king's command that was brought by the eunuchs, and the king was furious, and his anger burned within him. And then, you know how chapter 1 finishes. He deposes with Abashti, and then he decides that he's going to get a new queen. So we pick up in fact chapter 2. And these things, when the wrath of King Antasuerus subsided, he remembered Vashti and what she had done and what had been decreed about her. Then the king's servants who attended him said, let us have a Miss Persia concert. And let us invite all the beautiful young virgins to be brought before the king. 
and led the king appoint officers in all the provinces to gather all the beautiful young virgins to Shushan, to the citadel, that was the name for the palace, and to the queen's women's quarters, under the custody of Haggai, the king's eunuch, the custodian of the women. And let the beauty preparations be given them. Then let the women, young women who pleases the king be queen instead of Vashti. And the thing pleased the king. Verse 5. In Shushan, the citadel, there was a certain Jew. His name was Mordecai. He was the son of Jair, the son of Shammai, the son of Kish, a Benjamite. Kish had been carried away a captive during about under the king Jeconiah, under Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, that was conquered by Persia. And Mordecai had brought up Hadassah, that's her Jewish name. That is Esther, her Persian name. For she had neither father or mother. She was an orphan. And when her father, the young woman was lovely, she was beautiful. And when her father and mother had died, Mordecai took her as his very own daughter. So it was when the king command and decree were heard, and when many young women were gathered at Shushan, the capital, under the custody of Haggai, that Esther was taken to the king's palace into the care of Haggai the custodian of the women. Now the young woman pleased him, and she obtained his favor. So he gave her beauty preparations, besides what was louder. And then seven choice maidservants were provided for her. And he moved her and her maidservants into the best place of the kings of the house of the women. Esther had not revealed her people or her family, for Mordecai had charged her, don't do it, do not reveal it. And every day Mordecai paced in front of the court of the women's quarters to learn about Esther's welfare. Each young woman in turn came to go into King Ahasuerus, and her spa treatment was for a 12 months spa treatment. <laughs> Six months she was with the oil of myrrh and six months with perfumes and preparations to beautify women. Now, ladies, that was some spa, wasn't it? <laughs> so at the end of the time, they, she, could, she would go into the king, and unless the king delighted her in her and called her by name, she would not be called anymore. Verse 15. Now, when the turn came for Esther, the daughter of Abiel, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her as his daughter, she requested nothing. But what Haggai, the king's eunuch, the custodian of the women, advised. And Esther obtained favor in the sight of all who saw her. So Esther was taken to the king, into his royal palace, for in the tenth month. The king loved Esther more than any of the other women. And she obtained grace and favor in the sight of the king. And he set his royal crown upon her, and he held another feast, the Feast of Esther. <laughs> now, 
that pick up in 20. Now Esther had not revealed her family or her people, just as Mordecai had charged her. For Esther obeyed the command of Mordecai when she was brought up by him. In those days, while Mordecai sat within the king's gates, two of the king's eunuchs, Big Thun and Teresh, doorkeepers became furious, and they sought to lay hands on King Ahasuerus. And the matter became known to Mordecai, who told the Queen Esther, and Esther informed the king in Mordecai's name. And when an inquiry was made into the matter, it was confirmed, and both men were hanged on a gallows. And it was written in the book of the Chronicles, in the presence of the king. Jesus, Jesus, Oh, Jesus, would you come today and say to our hearts what you want to say to every single one of us here? And Father, would you speak through the power of your word once again? And we ask, Holy Spirit, that when we leave this place tonight, we won't ever be the same again. God, for such a time as this, would you raise up everyone in this room to be men and women after God's own heart. And God, would you teach us the keys that make Esther and Mordecai available to the purposes of God in a very difficult time in human history. And when there was a move of God for the eradication of the Oh, Holy Spirit, would you do for us tonight which we cannot do for ourselves? And Father, would you speak? Give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts to understand the sweetness of Jesus. In your precious name, amen. My mom and daddy lived I lived in the same town as my mother and dad. And I remember I was like, oh, my 50s, maybe 40s, 50s. And life was just so full and packed. And you know how life is, full and packed. And I remember one day running into mother and daddy's house up the street. And I just ran into the vestibule. And I was so overwhelmed with life, just whatever it was at that moment in time. I just was overwhelmed. I couldn't think what I was to do, where I was to go, or how I was to be. So I, I ran in because I was going to pour out my heart to my mother or my dad, whoever was there. My mother was in her room. My dad, I don't know where he was because he wasn't home a whole lot, so I didn't know where he was. So I ran in. But do you know what? As I opened the door, no one was right there, but Jesus was. The home was so full of the presence of Jesus that as I walked in and just stood there, I all of a sudden I knew what I was supposed to do. The confusion was gone. I kind of had, oh, this is what you, this, and I had direction. I didn't talk to another soul. 
I, did, I just quietly shut the door and I left because God had met me in the vestibule. And do you know what? It is the sweetest thing. God has met some of us here multiple times in this very room. I remember the first time I came to speak, I was right here with Amy about They were sitting on the front row. And God met us around the table. And I and then God met us. And then I thought, somebody who built this in must have known Jesus. And so and then God, we began to come back, and then Linda and I said, well, maybe we could meet again and again here. And then I just thought, I wonder as we come today, even as I came just yesterday, I thought, Jesus, what do you want to say to me today? What does he want to say to you? What does he want to say to us like he said to Esther? And what are the women and the men that can be available for the purposes of God for such a time as this? And it was so sweet. Even the practical things. As we look a little bit at this story tonight, you'll see the integration of the supernatural work of God, the small hinges of God, and then you'll see the sweetness of the ordinary. The sweetness of the ordinary. As I was preparing my own, and I do pray, keep the prayer journal near you. I keep mine near me. <laughs> keep yours near you. Because it's so funny, the other night I sat in bed and I were talking this last night, and all of a sudden I woke up in the night and God gave me two or three ideas for Christmas. I mean, so keep it right there because it'll give you the most creative, happy ideas, and you'll go, oh my goodness. So it's a very, I love Jesus, and I love how practical it is. But watch the integration of this and right here. So as we wait and say, God, what do you want to say to me tonight? Because he's here. And if you will listen, he can take the chaos and confusion. Oh, honey. It's funny. Who does God use? Oh, I love Jesus. <laughs> Nobody is disqualified. Nobody. Oh, you would think if you were going to have a world changer to change and save a whole nation of Jews and a whole generation of Jewish people and the biggest and the biggest empire in the world. Wouldn't you think you'd have a woman that had all kinds of career opportunities and all kinds of everything? Who was she? She was an orphan. It says she had neither a mama and a daddy, if you and I can't understand. And she seems like she has one uncle. That's all the family she has. And then look at Esther. So she's an orphan. But she's not a victim of her background or a victim of her circumstances. She has come to the place so that she has given God all of who she is. You will notice in her, and it's like 1 Peter says, it's the sweetest thing in 1 Peter. Wives, be submissive to your husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. When they observe your pure conduct accompanied by reference, do not let your adornment merely be hair, jewelry, or clothes. That's already interesting. Rather let it be the hidden person of the heart, which is of incorruptible beauty, and which is very precious in the sight of God. 
do you know when God got Esther? He got a woman who had that beauty, that incorruptible beauty, the hidden beauty of the heart. So she was not bound, she was not a victim of her circumstances, and she was not controlled by them. And she was willing to trust God with her circumstances. And she didn't blame people for them. And she didn't blame God. That in itself is a phenomenal place of victory. I want to know you. I want to know about me. Is Jesus victor in your life? And whatever your background is, whatever your circumstances of life are, good or bad, she did have a loving uncle who cared for her. She was not a victim of those circumstances. She was controlled by God. And she did not blame God or others. She was willing to trust God with the circumstances in which she found her. And what were those circumstances? She was an orphan girl, Jewish girl, in Persia, which is present-day Iran. She was a disfranchised people group in a, in, a, in a country that had captured their country and their people. Those are not exactly stress-free circumstances. Are there any circumstances in your life that are not exactly stress-free? Every single one of us qualifies for having the most stress in some of our lives we've ever had. Just earlier this month, we were in the war, and it took them then had to evacuate, and it was it's like okay, Jesus, hands up, palms down, once again. There's stress in everybody's life, and especially now and on the world stage. But she wasn't a victim of those circumstances. She trusted God in them, and that she believed that God had a purpose for her life. And I love Psalm 138.8, the Lord will perfect that that concerns me. And he also says it in Psalm 20. He says he has a purpose for our lives. There are prayers God is praying for you and for me, for each one of our lives. And then he puts, he has heart's desires for every single one of our lives. And not only our lives, but every single one of our progeny. And God says, I want to answer your prayers. I want to defend you. I want to strengthen you. And I want to save you. And I don't want to just save you. I want to save the generation yet to come. So that what happens tonight, even here, is we get serious with Jesus and say, Oh, Jesus, I want to be a woman or a man that God can use for such a time as this. Would you let me not be controlled by my, my circumstances or that you didn't treat me quite well, with, quite like I deserved? You know, some of the marks of the carnal life are, yes, Lord, but... I deserve better than this. And that and if we're really honest, that is really true. How we and God says, wait a minute, I need someone will just say yes. Nothing out back, nothing out onto, nothing between. Then she gives herself totally and completely to God. How do I know this? And the 
was not a lot of words said, but it was cute. I was sitting in a car, and all of a sudden, I began to think of the attributes in Esther's life. Scripture says she was young, she was lovely and beautiful. God did that. But she was winsome. When she was put in the, the court of women, she found favor with Haggai, the head of all the women. There was a winsomeness about her. And then God gave favor. She was submissive when it Malachi, Mordecai said, Oh, please don't tell your nationality, not quite yet. She was respectful, and she was submissive. She was humble. It was interesting when that when that came at chapter, the end of chapter 2, and Mordecai discovered the two gatekeepers who were planning to assassinate the, the king. She submitted it, but she submitted it in Mordecai's name. There was no self-seeking there. There was no pushing of her agenda. There was no, it was laying down her interests and her life for another. She was, she was caring. And the story picks up when, when remember, Haman is raised up and three, and he, Mordecai won't kneel before him. I didn't read that to you, but Mordecai doesn't kneel. And remember Haman, um, then decides he doesn't want to just kill Mordecai. He wants to kill all the Jews. Is this story not as current as tonight's newspaper and tonight's phone? He wants to obliterate every Jew in the kingdom. And so he's, and so he's in his arrogance and in his pride, he goes to the king and then he said, oh, there's a people that needs to die. And I'm going to put in money into your coffers. I'm sure all the loot that he would have gotten from killing the Jews. I'll just kill, put all that in your coffers. And the king doesn't check any of the sources, doesn't find out if it's true or not. He just hands him a signet. And then the word goes out in chapter 4. And that all the Jews are to die. And it will be in the month of December. And Mordecai, clothes in sackcloth, goes back and forth across the front of the gate, remember, to check on her. She sees it. She doesn't know quite what's going on. And she sends out her maids to find out. And then he sends, he tells her just what has happened. And then the, the the epitome of the story is Mordecai told him, do not think, let me pick it up in four. So Hattash returned and told Esther the words of Mordecai. Then Esther spoke to him and gave a command to Mordecai. Say all the king's servants and people know that any man or woman who goes into the inner court of the king who has not been called, and there's but one law, put all of them be put to death except one, the one to whom he holds out the golden scepter. I have not been called for 30 days. So that the message was delivered to Mordecai. If I go, there's a chance I'll die. 
humility or pattern, but there's also a reflective nature in her, and then a respectful nature. Do you realize the cost here? So then he says, do you think in your heart that you will escape the king's palace any more than any of the other Jews? For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise from another. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come the kingdom for such a time as this. So she shares honestly with him and said, I may die. Then he shoots right back and said, well, that you, if you don't stand up, that God will save us from someplace else. She was courageous. Are you? Am I? There came a place, a point in her life. So who is the woman? The one who gives God her background, her circumstances. The one who gives God totally and completely herself for the purposes of God to be accomplished. And then God allows God, if God, allows God to use those circumstances to cultivate a gentle, quiet spirit within her. And then God gives her soul strength and wisdom. And what does she do first? She waits on God. And she spends three days and three nights in a fast waiting upon God to give her direction. And I want to know tonight what is the default position of your life. I want to know is it the news? Is it your feelings? Is it what you, I don't, it has to be Jesus and it has to be his word. And she waited on three days and then she began to challenge and she said, Mordecai, go and get all the Jews in Shushan and let them fast too. Before we do one thing, we are going to wait on God. And you and I, as we go forward into this holy season and as we go forward into this new year, and as we go forward into what God has next for the people of God here and around the world, we need to be people who go forward on our knees. And there needs to be together alone, and then we need to have an upper room where we literally meet God every day, and we meet Him face to face. So God can share His heart with your heart and my heart. And we can lay before Him all the ones that He puts on our heart. And the beautiful thing about Jesus Christ is there's a different bunch of people on every single person's heart. Because do you know what? I can't carry six billion people, can you? But I can carry the ones Jesus gave me. And coming up, I was telling I remember in a, long, a while ago when all my kids were just like so many of getting married and all the different stuff in midlife. And I felt so overwhelmed with just life. And Jesus one night gave me a dream. And in the dream, there was an elevator. And he said, and I had the door open for the elevator. And he said, 
everybody, and I was inviting people to come on the elevator to go up to meet Jesus. And then when my elevator got through, I took, we went up, went up to heaven, and there was this little like secretary. And I said, where's Jesus? And she said, well, he can't, he's here. Just a moment. And I said, these are the ones that Jesus gave me. Who does Jesus want you to pray? He wants to start with our husbands, our children, our families, our extended families, in our churches, in our neighborhoods, in our communities. And he wants to begin to put a world on our heart and say, I want you to carry Ukraine. I want you to carry Thailand. I want you to carry Uganda. I want you, and all of us right now, in the trauma in Israel, and I want you to hold on until God can come. He wants to make us men and women for such a time as this. She had a prayer closet, and she met God. And the sweetness of her life because was because she met Jesus. Are you sweet? Is there a winsomeness? Do you remember my story? This precious little woman. How did you meet Jesus? She said, well, I was saved. And we went to church. And she said, this evangelist's wife came to our house. And the preacher said, can you keep them? So I said, oh, yes. She said, they were so much like Jesus. When they left, I sat on my sofa and I cried for two hours. See, they were so fun and so funny and so cute and so loving and so kind. Are you and I winsome? Esther was winsome. It comes from his presence and living and the sweetness of who he is. She gave himself herself totally to him. She allows God to give her soul strength. Which is once again Psalm 138.3. He will strengthen us with strength in our soul. And just like he gave direction when I went in the vestibule of my folks' house, he gave her soul strength so that she could be a catalyst for that redemptive plan. And what was the plan? She gave him soul strength to go to see the king. And, that was, and she said, if I perish, I perish. And you know the secret of the Christian life is a willingness to say to Jesus, I'm all yours for life, for death, for riches, for poorest, for better, or for worse. I'm yours. All of me for all of Jesus. And so she's, she went and risked her life. If I perish, I perish. Have you ever come to that radical place in your relationship to God? It is the opening of the sweetness of God himself. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. In Spanish, they say, cuesta lo que cuesta, whatever God. So she went in. Now did she say, could we please have a committee meeting? 
said, I have a program I'd like to present to you. No. She said, what did she say? Could you please come for lunch with Haman? Don't you love the ordinary? Would you come for lunch? And he said, well, surely I'll come for lunch. And then he did. And then he said, well, they talked, I'm sure, and then whatever you want. And this is the mar one of the marvels of the story, the small hinges of God. Have you known him in your life, the small hinges? She says, she didn't just blurt out everything and just talk. Now, when I have lunch with I just go, <laughs> and the beautiful thing about a spirit-filled person is God can not only control my heart and control my will and control my, my desires, he can actually control my mouth. And Isaiah 54, I love, he can give us an instructed tongue to know the word to say to the weary. Or I love 2 Thessalonians. 2, 16 and 17. He can establish me in every good word and work. And sometimes I just wake up in the morning and I say, Lord, here is my mouth. I give it to you. And then he gives, and then he gives certain, and then he gives wisdom. Because, well, you know what else Jesus is? He is our wisdom. He is our redemption. He is our sanctification. And he is our no, our wisdom, our righteousness, our sanctification, and our redemption. So that we can think like God does. Esther did. Then we can act like God does. And then he can purify my heart so that my motives are like God's. And not just what's in it for me and how do I look and I deserve better than this. And yes, Lord, but I got a better idea. And God wants to set us free from the tyranny of my own self-will so I can be set free to love him with all my heart and know the joy of intimacy with Jesus and then let God move us into realms of, of faithfulness to him where out of our lives can flow rivers of living water to touch the worlds in which every one of us live and so that they are eternally different for Jesus Christ's sake. What a happy way to live. She, so she said, please, would you come back for lunch tomorrow? And he said, oh, yes, we will. And in the small hinge of God, remember the story? God gave him the king, insomnia. And he called on the readers of the Chronicles to read the Chronicles to put him back to sleep. I'm sure that would have done it. The good news is he was reading and all of a sudden in the providence of God he reads about Mordecai saving his life and nothing had been done. And Haman was so elated over the dinner party that just he was invited. Then saw Mordecai that didn't kneel. He went home and he said to was just so mad. And his wife said, oh, build a gallows for him. So he built a gallows for Haman, for Mordecai, 75 feet tall. I checked it three times. <laughs> I mean, that is tall. <laughs> 
and he was, and then he came into the second. Do you see the inner workings of the providence of God? When he has a clean person to work with, who listens, who hears, who works upon God. So they go to lunch the next day. <laughs> and he, the king says, what is your, what, what do you want? She said, I would like to ask for my life to be spared and the lives of all my people. And you know who was hanged in the irony of God on that gallows that was 75 feet tall? Mordecai. Do you know who was made second in the kingdom? Not Haman, but Mordecai. Do you know what happened if they sent out a word that went across the world, all the 20, 127 provinces, that the Jews could fight back and defend their lives and their homes? And they did, and they never touched, touched any of the bounty. They didn't loot a person. They just defended their lives. And when it was all over, Purim was established among the Jewish people, which is still, still celebrated today, how many, 2,500 years later, when one little woman let God make a difference in her life. And she wasn't a victim. She began to say, Jesus, here I am. What do you want to do with me? And he said, oh, I have not seen nor ever heard. Neither has it entered into any one of you or me the things that Jesus Christ has prepared for those that love him. Hope, wine, and sacred. Do you? Do you love Jesus? That's why we've come together. I have three things that I'd like to close with. Beautiful thing like Jesus is we all qualify. Nobody's left out and no age is left out. Some of the most powerful revivals that have ever occurred in the world so far have occurred when older men and older women got together and we'll let go of the horns of the altar until God came. Mm -hmm. And then we have children who lead us all because it's just like they walk into the love of Jesus and they don't go back. I heard the sweetest story, and then I'll give you these points. Mm -hmm. This is so sweet. It was on a song, and it's... Uh, and it's in the song, the little boy went to revival. And he didn't go to church regularly. But he just kind of went by himself. Can't you picture it? It was a local church, and he just walked. So he's lingering outside. And then the little um, that he saw a friend from school. And the friend invited him to come in. He said, you can sit with me and my mama and daddy and family. So he did. So he curled up, got up, and was in the pew. He was real excited. 
But then the offering plate came by. And everybody put money in the offering plate. So he said, oh, I don't have any money. So he was distressed. So it went by. Well, the next night, he came to church again. And he had this big, huge grin on his face. And so he found his friend, he sat next to him, and the offering plate came by. And he took the offering plate real seriously. And then he set it down on the floor. And then he stood in the offering plate. And he said, Jesus, I give you me. And that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Whatever age we are, I give you me. Nothing held on to, nothing held back, nothing between. I give you me. And tonight, that is who Esther was. In that sweetness and that submission and then that common sense and then a mouth that God could use and speak through and know when to speak and not to speak, all came from the infilling of the Holy Spirit in her life. Have you given Jesus you? And then if you have, oh, what fun God wants to do with the ones that are all his. Do you believe that Jesus Christ can give you victory in the situations in your life right now? One. That's one. Do you believe the people to whom Jesus has called you are going to be delivered by his marvelous power and you're holding on with Jesus and others for just that to happen? That's two. Are you trusting that Jesus is going to move redemptively in your situation? Esther believed God. Esther obeyed God. Esther talked to God. And God kept his word. Oh, holy Jesus. I'd like to be like that before the night and step in the offering plate. Say, Jesus, I give you me. Jesus, every good and perfect gift has come because of you and my life. Thank you, dear Lord of circumstances, your Lord of backgrounds, your Lord of trauma. Lord of national situations. Thank you, Jesus, you reign. Tonight, oh, holy Jesus, would you come and we pray that we would be like that little boy. I give you all I am, all I have, and all I ever hope to be. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit of God.